You are now listening to Supernatural Breakthrough with Mike Signorelli. The unseen realm, ancient wisdom, and your freedom awaits in this episode. Remember, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, a new episode drops. Come on, let's jump right in. Hey, welcome to the broadcast. (laughs) Listen, I'm excited. We were talking before we went live and what God is doing in your life in your ministry through this collaboration is amazing. And I'm so excited because you're exemplifying what I believe is the coming move of God, that people are building these houses of presence. And that's part of what we're going to talk about today. So I'm really honored and excited. Thank you for having me. Oh, come on. I'm so excited. Well, I know everybody's welcoming you in the chat. Um, You know, I feel like God has really burdened you with a message, and I want to help amplify that message today. It's something that, like, you know, as I was building V1 Church, and as I've been, you know, kind of even building this online presence, there's been a lot of hard days, and I was super encouraged Mm -hmm. by, you know, the prophetic word that God had dropped in you. So can you share with everybody kind of what that theme is? Yeah, you know, a number of years ago, I was in prayer. Um, I had been on television at that time. I was morphing a little bit from television to the digital space. And I was in prayer and I was caught into a vision. In the vision, I saw the globe, the, the world, and I saw these hot spots, literally like flames of fire all over the world. And the Spirit of the Lord said to me, I'm raising up these hubs, these centers of awakening, these centers of revival. And the Lord began to speak to me that we were coming into a new and a different season, that it was not just going to be about extended meetings. Please hear my heart. Revival certainly can be manifest through extended meetings. I've been there, done it, experienced it. But I began to see a transformation in churches, in ministry centers that were going to become extremely presence-friendly and presence oriented. But I also saw a push, and this is what we'll break down a little bit today. I saw a push that we had to have an apostolic edge to us that we understood the personal revi- uh, the personal mandate of revival. Because it's easy for us to say, Pastor Mike, do it in New York. Yes and amen. Also a dollar and praise God for you. But it's something much more personal than that. And the, the uh, season we're in demands this. So this is what we're going to be breaking down today. Oh, that is so good. The season that we're in demands it. I think that's the hook. That's the thing that you guys need to understand is that there has been a major transition. Something else too I want to share with you is that leading in today's broadcast, I had many significant pastors and leaders in the kingdom hit me up and say that they changed their schedule to be to be in this live and to listen today. Mm. So I, I believe this could be a like a kingdom shifting moment. And so um, where are we at right now? What's your what's your diagnosis? You know, where you know, where are we at in this moment? Well, we are in we are in an era of innovation. The the complicated part of this is that so let me say this: how we build, what we build is morphing, it's evolving rapidly. The church is a little bit behind the world because the world has already adjusted and recalibrated. I can remember all the debates going on pre uh, pre pandemic about could you build a digital church? Could you not? Could you have internet campuses? Could you be a legitimate member of your online church versus not? 
Then the pandemic came, you know, it was like, okay, now we have to do it this way for some people. But the reality was people were gathering, meeting, networking online already. We're going to continue to see the evolution of how we build. We're going to see people like yourself and others who are tasked with multiple regions and territories. They're going to have to create wineskins, or that's a biblical word for a system of operations to manage the move of God in territories. They're going to have to get super innovative with travel. We're going to see churches being birthed, and I call them apostolic hubs uh, being birthed that meet on Tuesdays, that meet on Thursdays, that meet on Fridays. We're going to see places that meet once and twice a month, but they have small groups going on everywhere. We're going to see extremely innovative and different kinds of structures because there's going to be a desperation for the move of God. Now, the other side of this is we're also in a second heaven battle where there's a lot of uh, warfare going on in the politics of the day, in the earthly realm and dimensions of the day. These are not unimportant things. We do involve ourselves in nations and governments and leaders. We prophesy to them. We speak of them. But we must have an understanding that we are kingdom ambassadors. We cannot get caught up. Like I was giving the example, we have people in the church today that are left and that are right. And the lefties, hate the righties and the righties hate the lefties and it is prohibiting the move of God. Some of that is second heaven stuff that begins to infiltrate us when we are to be seated in Christ Jesus who never established a brick and mortar kingdom in the earth. His kingdom was spiritual and our focus and mandate must be that because we're going to see people who we disagree with on every front that are going to get saved that God's going to send us to prophesy to, that are going to come to our revival gatherings and services. So we are in a time of rapid fire, innovation, transformation, and we've got to keep our eyes focused on the prize here. Oh, this is so rich. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to tell you, there's so many pastors that have hit me up who said, I know that deliverance is needed. I know that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today. They've been held up in denominationalism. They've been held up, but I see a lot. And I want to encourage those of you who are watching, who are in leadership. I've had so many pastors reach out to me and say, I took a risk. I stepped out. Some of them even got banned and blocked by their own eldership, kicked out of denominations. But then the work that they started on the other side of that, uh, you know, of all that resistance is exploding. And, and so I really just can't say enough about how much I can confirm what you all just heard because people are stepping in. But what would you say to somebody? Because I, I feel like, you know, there's a lot who are still bound up in fear or, you know, because really innovation requires risk. And I often say, I often say when you're two steps ahead of people, you're their leader, but when you're 10 steps ahead, you're their martyr, you know? So it's like a lot of times for me, there's things that I've personally done where people are like, you're crazy. This will never work. And then a couple of years later, they're like, Hey, can you teach me how to do it? And so I've had to learn how to survive seasons of martyrdom for innovation, for taking risks. So what would you say to those who are like, I want to step in this direction, but I don't know what to do? Leadership is lonely. So if you're going to be a leader, you're going to have to be willing to walk alone. And innovation is even more lonely. I remember years ago, the Spirit of the Lord began to speak to me about the digital space and the digital world. And I saw literally this. I was telling one of my young uh, spiritual sons this last night because we were driving to a meeting. I said, I can remember God telling me there would be people at small buildings. They did not have a big brick and mortar, but they would have 10,000 member or person attended gatherings online. And I can remember 
arguing, literally arguing with preachers in the back room because wow. all they heard was I was somehow debunking the traditional church. I was not debunking it. I was adding to it. I was saying, I see another way to reach people. I see another wave to gather people. It's not either or, it's both. So I think right. as a leader, you have to be willing to accept the mandate for change. Mark 2.22, yesterday was 2.22. Um, Mark 2.22 says this. It says that no one pours new wine into an old wineskin. A wineskin is a mode of operations. Every revival demands an updated mode of operations. Mm. One of our problems in America and the Western church world, in Africa, in uh, much of Asia, in much of Central and South America, not all, but in much, they are building supernatural churches. If they're spirit-filled, they're building supernatural. And that's where we see godly things and demonic things because we got people operating supernatural stuff that the gateway they entered through was not godly and that's what determines the difference between witchcraft and non-witchcraft but in reality many parts of the world are supernatural in their approach to church in the western world because of our advancement of innovation technology and medicine we are find ourselves less and less reliant on the supernatural power of god and we've become like the greeks who are philosophical. So our lead preachers and teachers are more philosophers than demonstrators. And out of that uh, philosophy mindset, we are drawn to information, but there's no revelation and transformation. So the challenge that we're having now is there's a group of people that are arising to say God is moving, whether it be in deliverance, whether it be in healing, whether it be in signs and wonders, whatever it is, and they're going to have to be open to Mark 2.22, that for this new wine to be housed correctly and administrated correctly, you've got to create a wineskin. Let me just give one more example. In the 90s, we had the, the prophetic movement, and the, there was this huge uh, group of uh, prophets that were giving one-on-one -on -one prophecies. We had never seen meetings where in modern times where they were out just one-on-one -on -one prophesying. Well, they figured, how can we administrate this? They created an organization to line people up. They got old school tape recorders. We didn't have iPhones. And they would say, what's your name? Mike, Mike, the Lord would say to you, blah, 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 prophesy, put the tape. That was a wineskin or method of operation. They began to have prophetic worship because they found as you opened up the atmosphere, it changed it. And every move of God, the voice of healing days, back with Oral Roberts and all them, Thousands of people coming into tents. They had to make cards and you got a card. Number one, I'm gonna pray for you. Number two, number three, that was a wineskin. Um, we're even seeing now in the deliverance move, a, a wineskin emerging that we're gonna see churches and crusades and gatherings figuring out how do we minister deliverance in an effective manner to 5,000 people, to 3,000 people. So that's going to be part of where we're going. And what I say to a leader is you gotta be brave enough to discern the moment, discern the opportunity, and be willing to evolve, as Mark 2.22 would say, because there's always going to be evolution yeah. for revival. Say that. Yes. There's, yeah, absolutely. You know, something that I'm seeing, because I, you're just spitting facts. I mean, I, I could see in the chat so many of you guys are, you know, acknowledging that you know that this to be the truth. We're stepping into this new wineskin era. The pandemic pushed people out of old wineskins as well. I was one of those guys. You guys, a lot of you know my story. My wife actually said, you need to do online what you do in person. 
And mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't even understand, but the pandemic was a push for many people. You know, I was in New York city down the block from me is where they were bringing bodies into the refrigerated trucks during the pandemic. You know, we shut down all three of our locations and I had no other option, you know, at that particular time, it was very early on when we didn't know anything. And so it was my wife who, and the pandemic that sort of pushed me into this wineskin. Now we've embraced it. We've innovated and we're standing wow. room only every service, every location relaunched all of our locations and another one nationally, which, you know, you had mentioned. And here's the thing though. And I want to ask you about this. I'm dying to hear your answer about this. Something, you know, I've been in the game for a while since the late nineties operating in deliverance and supernatural ministry. And I've seen a lot. And what I'm starting to realize is a lot of the people coming to us are accepting Christ online through broadcast. Yeah. And they're like, you know, I got deliverance last month and I just started reading the Bible. I got through three books of the Bible and I'm thinking like, you know, so what would you say to, to people who are just starting to step in? Because it's such an unusual, like, it's almost like, you know, the seeker sensitive movement of 10, 15 years ago was how do we make it as comfortable as possible? And then ironically, I'm preaching sermons that should shrink your church and it's right. growing it. I'm, I'm saying we're doing the craziest stuff. Imagine, you know, <clears throat> Acts 19, they're sending out handkerchiefs. I'm telling people, touch your phone and you'll be healed as a point of contact. It doesn't make any sense in the natural, but if you understand the supernatural, it makes total sense. So what do you say to the, the new people who are just stepping into this? Um, you know, and they're, they're kind of coming into this world. Cause I, I've never seen this big of an influx of people who are like, I was Catholic three weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know? And it, that to me is like, how do you, how do you bring them into this new wineskin? Well, I think this is biblical Christianity. I think one of the huge Come mistakes on. we made in America is we negated, as you said, when the seeker friendly move came, a lot of spirit filled people, I live here outside of Atlanta. There's a huge church outside of Atlanta that used to in the 90s, the pastors laying hands of people, they were falling out on the platform. Guys like R.W. Shambach were Come on. There. Then he gets them with all these, you know, Holy Spirit light guys. And suddenly now his church is Holy Spirit light. And I love him. He's a brother. I thank God for him. But I'm saying that we we allowed deception to say that that biblical Christianity had somehow changed to match culture. No, no, no. As as forerunning people, we we command culture to submit to biblical Christianity. And we may live like you do in a city like New York, that there could be revival that shifts the whole city, but hey, there may not be a revival that shifts the whole city. But when people come to V1 Church, you've created a space and a place. You know, one one author I know wrote it this way, that the church becomes like a greenhouse, that a greenhouse is growing stuff inside of it that is different from the atmosphere around it. So this is biblical Christianity. And for people who are new, if you read the book of Acts, you read about Paul the Apostles, this is where we came from. There was no seeker-friendly church in the Bible. There was no Holy Spirit light church in the Bible. So we need to be bold and advocate this. We are playing catch up in America because Pentecost is the largest growing group of people around the world. Right now, we've got places like Nigeria that have got a 100,000 seat auditorium and 100,000 people are showing up for early morning prayer services. And we are playing catch up. But there is a wave that is coming. I believe what you're doing is a part of it. What others are doing is a part of it. There's a wave that is coming that is going to be prolific. But one of the things I've realized, Pastor Mike, is that 
Revival generates resistance too. One of my favorite mm. scriptures is Acts 14. And it says in verse one, it came to pass at Iconium, they went both together in the synagogue of the Jews and so spake that a great multitude, both of Jews and Greeks believed. So there was mass harvest. You read about the story of the apostle Paul. You read about the preacher at this time. The Bible said that God granted testimony through signs and wonders. So people were healed, people were delivered. But then the Bible says this, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and made their minds evil affected against the brethren. So if you read the whole story, there's a great division in the city. The city is divided. Revival will bring resistance. So we are seeing a bit of a deliverance revival. Let me break that down and say, I believe that one of the things revival does, it restores certain truths, certain ministries. There are always going to be a few different kinds of people that jump on a revival bandwagon, people who've been authentically touched by Jesus and the message that's being emphasized in the revival, people who are enamored with what happens and maybe don't have the spirit of it or the revelation of it, but they're kind of bandwagon people and they're not dangerous. And then thirdly, there's some deceivers that, that, that jump on it as well, and they're a little bit more dangerous. There's always going to be overemphasis in a revival. I remember uh, when the apostolic movement started, like, and we're still kind of in that, in my opinion, earlier days of that movement, that everybody's overemphasizing. They're preaching more on apostles than they are on Jesus, and they're sort of overemphasis, but that's what a wave looks like. Mm. Also, when a revival, a heaven-sent revival is birthed, that revival will generate resistance because there are demon powers, principalities, arc, uh, arc ruling spirits over territories and regions that revival carries a breakthrough edge. And those yeah. spirits are terrified that when people are swept up into the move of God, they're going to break free from the stronghold, the systems of thought and the culture that's been created under this demon. They're going to be set free from that. So this demon starts to fight those engaged in the revival. And this is what's happening in Acts 14. And so we've got to be mature enough to realize there's going to be resistance, but God has empowered us to stand strong and to break through the resistance. Oh, this is so good. This is so good. Well, and you know, I think that early on in the pandemic, I remember clear as day I was in prayer and the Lord said, do deliverance online. And, mm -hmm. you know, I had done mass deliverances all around the world in person. And I actually, and it's funny because I could do a mass deliverance in person, but then the idea of doing it through Facebook, through YouTube terrified right. me. And then I thought, People are going to think I'm crazy, but I'm like, but there's footage of me doing it in real life. It's just, what's the difference of the context? And I remember the Lord telling me like, and just kind of dealing with me on that issue about breaking boundaries that exist in my own mind. And I think that's a big part of this wineskin is, is breaking the boundaries that exist only in your own mind. And so when I started doing deliverance online, you know, I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't understand what I was doing. But one of my definitions of how to find your purpose is to do the thing the devil doesn't think you'll do. Wow. Because usually your purpose is on the other side of the thing the devil doesn't think you'll do it. And so I remember the, I hitting up my prayer team. You know, we, had, we build teams through the church. And I said, guys, I'm going to put my reputation on the line. This is going to probably be the weirdest thing I've ever done. But I'm going to do deliverance online because the devil doesn't think we'll do it. And then just seeing so many people get set free. Um, but the question I want to ask you 
is, you know, really as you kind of mature in your faith, you understand the scriptures and you see a lot of stuff, you increase in discernment. And I do mm-hmm. see a, a lack of discernment nowadays. Uh, you know what I mean? Where, where people just don't understand what is real revival. Um, what are the signs of it? What, you know, because the enemy comes sometimes as an angel of light. And so I think yes. if he can't stop revival, he can counterfeit revival. And so, you, you know, it's like, and you talked about overemphasis. I tend to be very gracious because I've been a part of different moves of God over the last several years. And I think, you know what? They're, they're ignorant. They're not evil. You know, sometimes people do things and you're like, this is ignorance, not evil. But then there comes a point where you have to be responsible for that ignorance. And I think what I've seen is like the, you know, how do you know what's real? Because people are asking me this question on a daily basis. <laughs> and so for somebody, you know, I've followed the fruit of your ministry and you have fruit that remains and there's, you know, you've encountered the real. So what would you say to those who are just like, I'm new to this thing. I feel chills. I feel goosebumps. But how do I know the difference between what's real and what's fake? Yeah, I love that question. Well, let's talk about that. It's a relevant question. I think, number one, real revival encounter with God draws you closer to Jesus, period. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes we say, okay, look, I fell on the floor three times. I'm closer to Jesus. Not necessarily, because it's a lot more about what you do when you get back up. And one of the dangers in my mind with... um, some of the deliverance revival that we're seeing right now is we're really enamored with video clips, which, you know, if you've got family members that are having mental issues, children that are having behavioral issues, and you see a video clip that looks like someone getting delivered from that, it's exciting. I can remember in the uh, a particular minister at a huge healing platform got into controversy because uh, he wasn't sort of verifying the miracles, which I know because I do a lot of healing ministry. Unless you have it in your budget to have a doctor travel with you, uh, it's very hard to verify those healing miracles because you can't do it all on the spot. After you've dealt with it enough, like I know when someone's deaf and when they get healed because I can literally see the expression on their face yeah. if they're completely deaf. I've done it for so many years. Now, I've found some people lose their miracle. Satan comes back in, tempts them. They agree with Satan and they let Satan back in. So I think that number one, the thing should draw you closer to Jesus. Um, I think that we need to do a better job at asking certain types of questions. You know, I have many, many times sort of been uh, gotten off track, maybe I would say, by listening to someone, paying attention to someone that maybe didn't have a pure motive or pure intent. And nine out of 10 times, somewhere in that process, there was an initial concern that I discerned, that I felt inwardly. And I overrode it because maybe friends said, oh, this person is great. Oh, their ministry is great. Oh, you know, whatever is great. Pay attention to those initial concerns. Mm -hmm. I think another thing as it pertains to the world of preaching, let's let's monitor extremisms. If there are extremisms, you know, I believe in healing. However, I will tell you this, I've prayed for people that did not get an instant miracle, instant healing. And I'm very careful to say in healing services, not everybody gets this instantly. And I can give some biblical explanation as to why that is, but then there's some unknown parts of it for me. I think it's the same in deliverance. It's like, you know, maybe I cast the devil out of somebody and the Lord says, get their book and burn the book. I guess that's maybe a bad example because that's in the Bible, but maybe something that's not in the Bible that would be more of an individual case. Well, then if I start teaching, everybody that ever gets deliverance has to burn their books. 
Now I'm taking and making something a doctrine or a foundational belief that was more of an experience. Like in the working of miracles, Peter and John lift up the lame man. But we don't see that every time you pray for a lame person, you lift them up. You're going to break some people's legs. So look for extremisms that that are not solidly biblical foundations. And then I would just encourage people, do a little bit of investigation. You know, there was a revival that happened a number of years ago, and I was sharing this this morning. I love revival. It's one of my things. This revival was taking place. I was pastoring a small church at the time, and I was like going to tell my church about it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, no, don't do that. And I had no idea why. But because I had been in the walk with God for a while, I understood Mm. that, hey, I better pay attention to no. So I went to a deeply spiritual resource called Google, and I started (laughs) Googling the revivalist. Yeah. And I found out there was some stuff this revivalist said. I'm like, that's no, no, that's kind of out there. I didn't go and tell everybody. I did tell some preacher friends of mine. They got angry with me because this revivalist was the next big and great and emerging thing. But I had a no in my spirit. And I decided I wasn't going to override the no. All the who's who of charismatic Christianity jumped on board uh, with this and were going for it and amening. But I just, for me, it was a no. And that no has saved my life in many instances. Pastor Mike, I've seen people come and prophesy to people accurately and then make sexual advances at them. Because the reality is there are people who are demonized but have a gift. Yep. And then Come there on. are people who are getting into the realm of the spirit through the wrong gateway and getting info from demon spirits. So at the end of the day, that whole revival busted up and it was a big mess in the body of Christ. And thank God I had had that warning. Now, let me say this in transparency. There are other times I did not have a warning or I didn't hear correctly. Right. So I think these are all things we can look at. But authentic, even deliverance. Deliverance is a ministry of Jesus. So if I'm truly delivered, my whole walk with Jesus is going to upgrade. My reading of the Bible is going to upgrade. My discipleship, if I'm a member of your church, my faithfulness is going to upgrade. My attendance, you're going to see that circulated through everything I do. And that's one of the key markers. What I find a lot of times in people who are messing it up is they draw people to themselves more than to Jesus. And that's a danger for me and for you because in this media world, it's easy to do. So we got to stay on our faces before the Lord. I know this teaching has been so good, but I wanted to pause for a second because I want to connect with you. Go to MikeSignorelli.com. Tell me your story. Check out all these resources I have available for you. And would you consider financially partnering? It's because people say, I'm going to join my finances with this podcast that we're able to reach so many people around the world. And I'll tell you this, we are good soil to sow into. So I'll see you at MikeSignorelli.com. And thank you so much for your financial gift. Okay, let's jump back in. Oh, there's so much coming into alignment as you're speaking. You know, we said at the beginning of this broadcast that there is going to be a shift in the kingdom. I know that's a big expectation for just one broadcast, but the number of leaders that are tuned in right now, and I, I just believe, you know, and I want to say this up ahead of time. I did not uh, predetermine the questions and and lo- the amount of wisdom that's flowing through him apostolically for the kingdom right now is a movement of the Holy Spirit. And it's the years of wisdom that he's accumulated 
accumulated. And how many of you believe and show me in the comments that we need wisdom like never before? You know, I always say you shouldn't be in authority unless you're under authority. And mm. you can always trace the authority structure of a person's ministry to determine what the fruit ultimately will be. And, you know, what I've consistently seen year over year from your life is the fruit that flows from that as well. You know, Jesus himself said, I don't do my will. I do the will of my father. And so it's always ironic when you have ministers that do their own will, because you're like, Jesus didn't even operate within that realm. And so um, absolutely love what you said about that. And I do believe that we're in a season of mass exposure in terms of what people are seeing. And just because it goes viral doesn't mean it's valid. So being oh, wow. viral and being valid, you know, is two different things. Like, and you have, we're in that Sons of Skiva era where you have clout chasers. You have people that know that they can post a certain way. I know people have reached out to me saying, why don't you post more clips of this or clips of that? And I'm like, because you know, there's sometimes, and and maybe I go a little bit too far with this, but I just, it's like, I know that that thing will do well on a social media Mm. platform, but not be a good thing for that family long-term. And even a lot of the deliverance clips that I posted, you know, I typically, and we tell people we have, uh, you know, filming releases and things at all of our buildings, but, you know, I try to capture, our team tries to capture the moments after the deliverance where their face is glowing and they're laughing and they're smiling and we show the whole story. So you're not immortalized as somebody manifesting, you know? And so I think there's a level of wisdom. And like you said, it's like you can be viral, but not valid. And a blue check mark says that the social media platform approved of you, but not doesn't mean that God has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, wow. you know, it's like going on that journey. And I, what I, th- I thank God for men like you that have one foot in each realm and you understand the digital, but you're still, you got another foot rooted in the spiritual realm. And you're saying, how do we bridge the gap? You know, it's like your kingdom come here on Facebook and Instagram as it is in heaven, you know, guys, we have 4,307 people cumulatively watching right now, which is absolutely insane. Uh, so keep sharing this video. We got just a few more minutes left. Uh, if you haven't already hit the subscribe button, make sure that you are uh, subscribing, ringing the bell notification, but this has been so, so good. You guys are going off. Thank you for being, I, I say this every single time I go live, but we're not just an audience we're an army. Entertainers are concerned with building um, audiences, but generals in the faith are concerned with building and equipping armies. So, you know, kind of as we come into the last and final stretch here, um, what would you say to those who are like, I don't want to be a bench warmer? You know, I've been leaning in, I've been watching and uh, what does it take for me to be a part? Because I feel like there's a holy curiosity. There's a holy hunger. There's people that are like, you know, I want to step into this thing. What do I do? Yeah, well, first of all, I think every single person watching live and watching this later needs to understand you were born for purpose. God didn't want you to be alive in the revival of the 1950s, the 1920s, the 1990s. He wanted you to be alive right now. And there's more promise then there is problem. We get bogged Mm. down in the problem, but there's more promise than problem because Jesus is still alive and Jesus holds the ultimate victory and he's moving in us and through us. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. So two things I would say, number one, get connected with somebody somewhere that's doing something great for God and get involved with it. People ask me all the time, how do I find my purpose? I give them lots of answers. But one thing I say is get involved with someone that already knows their purpose and help facilitate that 
big vision, that army that is arising, and watch as God aligns your purpose. One of the things for me, when I got involved with who became my spiritual father, the late Dr. Norval Hayes, he had a global voice. He was traveling everywhere around the world, and I helped facilitate that in my own way, and that's where I found my purpose. Second thing, I believe we're in a kingdom era. There is no way no matter how large we grow our deliverance services, our miracle services, our revival services, our churches, our hubs, there is no way that every called person is going to be active in exercising the totality of their gift there. But what they can do is they can get out there into the world. If you get activated prophetically, there is someone you're going to encounter in a course of seven days that needs a word from the Lord. If you get activated in deliverance, there is someone you're going to encounter outside of church that needs deliverance. So this is an hour that we want to get trained. We want to be activated. We want to learn our identity of who we are and realize the move of God is happening globally. And you are a citizen of the kingdom of God. And we've talked a lot today about leaders. Um, a while ago, when I began to get this revelation of revival hubs, and I really want to come back and do another version of this yeah, uh, come on. on on apostolic hubs, because I really believe the Lord has given me a fresh perspective on that. But God began to speak to me about these centers of awakening, these centers of the move of God. He said, rather than people just falling to rain, they're going to dig wells. They're going to begin to uh, get activated by Holy Spirit and the leaders that God has placed in life. And in regions, they're going to dig a well where people will literally come from all over the region. And like what you're seeing, come from all over the U.S. to say, hey, I just popped in this Sunday because I need my deliverance. I need, uh, you know, to encounter Jesus. But it's going to take you, the people of God, getting involved. And so I wrote a book with my friend who used to be the editor of Christmas, Jennifer LeClaire, called Revival Hubs Rising. I think you, I think, Pastor Frank, you guys have put it in the chat. Yep. I really want to encourage you to get it. You can get it at my website, which is what they're linking. If it sells out or we run out, you can also find it on Amazon, but it will help give you a grid. It will help inspire you, especially if you're a leader. I think it'll be big for you. So that's my my short version of how we need to get going in this hour. This is not an hour, Pastor Mike, where it's going to be about just you, just me, yeah, just Isaiah, just Jenny Weaver, who's on you. This is an hour where it's going to take a global army. And this is why we are being activated right now to begin to find our tribe, yeah. run with them, and do the works of Jesus with them because it's not a one-person thing any longer. Oh, I'm so glad you said it. Well, listen, I know that many of you are like, oh, I wanted this broadcast to never end, uh, but I want you to continue this conversation with the book. So purchase the book. It's linked in the comments. Uh, it's actually linked on both platforms. And I want you guys to just make sure that you get the book. And you know, there's this unusual feeling of family that I've been getting, this comfortability with people, uh, you know, just I, people I didn't even know existed who reached out. And it's just where you can see that God is sovereignly and divinely connecting people, connecting regions. It's just very, I've never seen a united front that's forming like, like we're seeing mm. right now. So uh, Jenny Weaver is saying, please have Apostle back on. Um, I would be inclined to listen to her. So I'm just going to go ahead and say, if he would be so gracious as to come back, we'll definitely do round two. Um, you know what would be awesome though? And, and guys, don't click off yet because um, I, I want to make sure you stick around for the entire duration of this. 
Uh, I see many of you from around the world saying, I'm going to buy the book. I'm going to get it. So thank you. Um, but would you be willing to just pray for everybody who's watching right now? I know that many people, they literally uh, devote their entire lunch hour to watching this broadcast. We have people reach out, doctor's offices who put this on in the lobby of their doctor's office, which is crazy to me. Wow. And uh, you know the stories that we get of people who just say, I commit this time and it's an investment in my life. And so right now, I believe this prayer can literally echo around the world. And so I'd love to give you an opportunity to just pray for everybody who's watching. Absolutely. Well, Father, I just thank you for every person who's joined us, this global army. And I thank you, God, that they are rising. I hear the spirit of God say, many of you feel isolated and isolation is a demon. So we break the spirit of isolation in Jesus' name. We break that sense of you're the only one. We break that sense of ungodly isolation in the authority of Jesus' name. And I hear the spirit of God say, I am bringing my people out of the cave. I'm bringing you, says Lord, to a place of kingdom activation and kingdom function. So God, I thank you for the gifts, the calling, the ability, the investment you've made inside of people. I thank you, Lord, for those that feel condemned, that those that feel like, hey, I I can't do anything in the kingdom. I thank you, God, that you're breathing. Holy Spirit, we send your fire over them now in the authority of Jesus' yes. name. And God, I thank you for leaders. I hear the Lord say, I am shifting the trajectory of that thing you're leading. I hear the Lord say, you are going to go after the radical, the audacious dream I put in your heart. So God, I pray for leaders that you make them bold, make them brave. I pray that you give them instruction, even as Pastor Mike was sharing, that you call them to step out of what was normal to him and what was easy for him to step into the unknown. I pray for that calling to life out deep. And God, I pray that you begin to bring those leaders into deeper waters. And God, we're asking you today Ooh. to move amongst the nations, that your name would be great, oh God, that people would be delivered, people would be healed, people would be saved, yes. and you would raise up strong churches and hubs and centers that would preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we would see a move like no other move we've ever read about God. And we say, here we are, Lord, send us. And I thank you, God, that you're answering that prayer and sending us wherever you've called us to. We bless your people. I bless Pastor Mike, his wife, his team. Let them grow. Let them be strengthened. Let them be encouraged in this time. God, even though they're working a lot, make it be a time of celebration. Let them be mm. as children working alongside of their father. Bless them with rest, with refreshing, with good friends, good relationships. Mm. And let them continue to grow this global army in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Wow. Well, we are coming to the end of yet another incredible time together every Monday, every Wednesday and Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I am posting a new podcast so that you can be equipped and learn and grow. And you know, if you got this far, you may want additional mentorship and you may want to connect with me on a deeper level, which is why I have the Breakthrough Community. If you visit MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com, you can become a monthly financial partner for $27 a month or $297 for the entire year, you can come into the Breakthrough Community. We do monthly Zooms. Yes, monthly Zooms. It's wild. People from all over the world are there, including prophetic seminars and teachings that literally are banned on other platforms. All of it's waiting for you, including a private Facebook group with all of the other Breakthrough Community members. So again, go to MikeSignorelli.com or BreakthroughTeaching.com 
and become a monthly partner. I can't wait to see you there and I will see you in the next podcast episode.